Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. Will you do this? Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. I'm going to leave here different by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Get your Bibles, your Bible apps open up to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. Hold your place there. Like they mentioned, I'm looking forward to Partners Banquet tonight. Uh, we're going to have some good old Esperanzas, T. Garcia's food. Anybody like fajitas, Fort Worth style? Yeah, that's it. That's it tonight. Uh, but, you know, I can't wait to celebrate what God did last year and what we're looking forward to, to talk about the things we look forward to this, uh, this year. But it's kind of cool because Preston mentioned this at our early morning staff prayer this morning, that it was one year ago today when at the Partners Banquet, when when I just, I felt is it something impromptu that the very day of the partners banquet that we were supposed to like leave and walk around and kind of like march around the whole thing and just saying, God, we need more space. We, we need, we're, we need more. And we didn't really know what that meant, but it just, and it felt kind of awkward. It's like, I'm going to have you guys just do something weird. And it's like, we're not going to blow trumpets or do, you know, march around Jericho 17 times. Hopefully no walls will fall. But I just, we, we just asked God, God, we, we want to enlarge our footprint. That's what we were praying, and, and uh, it's, it's interesting because then it was just a few weeks after that that we found out that we were going to be able to receive back uh, 25% of our building, and today is the first day that 25% of our building is open, exactly one year after we asked God for more space. That gives, it's awesome because it gives more space. We can put many more chairs in here, we, and, and just so much more that we're going to be able to do as well. So thank you, Jesus. Now, did you guys find your way in okay today? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a mess. I like the mess. I, I like the mess. The mess is kind of fun. Things are a little confusing. I'm like, well, I can't get through this door. I don't know. <laughs> like, stay calm. Breathe. Exhale slowly. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, you know. Hey, our goal, though, is to have things wrapped up the major things wrapped up by the end of March, so it's going to be a real intense season of a lot of volunteerism between now and the end of March, and then, uh, but there'll be a lot of finishing touches that we'll be continuing to work on all the way through the summer, so uh, we had a good time with the volunteer rally yesterday morning, and, and just to let you know, our, we have what we call our Expand 2020 core team, which is leading this whole uh, remodeling project, which is not just there, it's really throughout the whole building, and just to let you know who's on that group, it's myself, it's Preston White, Austin Davis, John Malanga, Daryl Davis, along with the staff, and so it, it's going to be fun. In fact, a great way to get to know some people and build some friendships is to come out to one of our uh, volunteer uh, events. That I think we're like it's, it's on the City Life app, so just go there and look at what's coming up because you can you can say, "Hey, I'm going to come to this or or do something." But just just come, just come because there'll be a lot of a lot of stuff. We're going to do demolition day this Saturday. <laughs> I want to sneak in here early with my sledgehammer. <laughs> They'll catch me on cameras, and they'll be sending the police out. But, um, but you know what? This is your house. This is our house. This is God's house, and I'm just glad that we're here together because uh, this, place, this place is all about relationships. It's relationships with God, relationships with other people, and that foyer, I, I want to call it the family foyer. It's just going to open up so many op- more opportunities for us. But, you know, speaking of friends, <laughs> speaking of friends, does anyone recognize this, this, this right here. <laughs> some of you, some of you are going, I have no idea what that is, but it was 1983, 
And uh, I will never forget the first time I listened to songs off this album. Uh, it's before most of you were even born. I don't even know if your parents were born then, you know. But, but at the time, guys, it was the coolest music. It was on the music scene because there was this new young artist, this guy who was on the music scene. And, 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 uh, and he was actually young. He was a Christian artist. He was young. And, and they just didn't have young people doing, I don't know, at least I didn't think so. He was close to our age. I was like 18, 19, 20 that age group of our, me and my friends, and this guy's like 25, 26, and he's putting out these, these cool albums, and that's what we're looking at. That's not a big CD, okay? It, it's, it's, it's vinyl. It's, uh, we used to call it a record, and uh, you know, I loved it. I, we loved it because finally there's someone young, it's a hip, cool guy, well, I mean, he was, he was cool, uh, who, who's, singing, who's singing something other than Southern Gospel, you know? I, 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 some of you like Southern Gospel. I'm happy for you. I don't, okay? But, but it, was, it was great. We loved it. Michael W. Smith. Um, and, and, and he made his big break when he opened up for Amy Grant in the early 80s. But there was this one song in particular that kind of stole everyone's heart, and it was called Friends. You guys remember that? Friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. And some of you are going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Just whatever. Just let me have my moment, okay? I would sing it for you, but I'm not that stupid. Uh, so... <laughs> I mean, maybe we can just sing it after church and hold hands. No, I'm not going to sing it. No, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not, I'm not going to sing it. In fact, the deal is I wanted to get a little video clip and show it up here of Michael W. Smith doing it in concert, and YouTube has all kinds of new rules, and we couldn't put it up. YouTube. <laughs> That's it. I'm done with it. But, uh, but the, the, this cool line in there says, friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. And I like that because that's not really a quote from the Bible, but it's Bible truth. Here's the deal. Here's how it works. With Christ, friends can walk through just about anything together. You really can. And because of Christ, friendships carry on into eternity. In other words, if you have a friendship with another believer right now, that friendship doesn't end at the end of this life. It continues. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And, and friendship, what it is, it's really a deep love for, for each other. And friendship is really central to our faith. And so I've entitled today's message, it's a little corny, but it's called How to Help a Friend. I know at, at first glance you might say, well, that's, that's kind of like soft and lame and like whatever. No, it's not. You just wait till you finish with this message. Because here's the truth. Hell is after relationships. Because friendships are at risk. And friendships are at risk because there are forces of hell that seeks to divide and conquer. That's what hell does. Animosity, betrayal, hurt. All those things happen within the context of friendships. And, and I really believe this. The source of it is hell itself. And it started in the, in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. A, a lost or a fractured friendship, it can literally be heartbreaking. And the thing is, everyone has faced it. We all know how it feels. Yes. And really, it, it's easy when you're in a place like that to just say, forget it. I give up. I'm not letting people back into my life. And I get that, because again, we've all been there. But that's exactly the place hell wants you to be. For you to be separated from other people, with this wedge driven between you and your relationships. Hell wants you isolated yeah, yeah. from healthy relationships. Yeah, right. 
Because if you're isolated, you're toast. Basically, Satan's plan has always been to divide and conquer. That, that's how he works. And that's, that's actually how wolves take sheep. Um, they, they find one that's out on the edge and maybe a little disconnected. And, 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 uh, and they, they come in and they surround that, that, that lamb, that one sheep. And they, they, they basically move it away from the relationship of the flock. And then the wolves move in and they have themselves a nice munchy dinner. <laughs> You know, think about it. That's what Satan wants to do to you, devour you. That's why the, the scripture refers to the enemy, refers to hell as, as, like, as like, a, um, like a wolf. In fact, it talks about wolves in sheep's clothing to sneak in and separate people out and, and, and devour. That's real. That's in, the, that's in the scriptures. The Bible warns us about that. Basically, what the warning is that I'm putting out here to you is hell wants your relationships severed. Satan wants your friendships to dissolve. That's why I am today fighting for friendship. Friendship is critical for every single one of us as, as believers. And I, I think you should fight for your friendships. You should. You should. Solomon says it well. He says this in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 7. Wisest man who has ever lived. He has a lot to say about friendship. Uh, but this one is kind of a central scripture. He says, a friend loves at all times. In fact, say those words with me. A friend loves at all times. What does a friend do? And what do they, how often do they do it? Always. So really, that's pretty, that's pretty basic. In other words, love, genuine love between friends isn't going to quit when your feelings get hurt. Getting your feelings hurt is a real thing, you know. <laughs> they hurt my feelings, and now I'm sad. I'm never going to be afraid again. <laughs> Come on, you know you've done it, all right? Or at least thought it. But, and I'm not here to minimize getting your feelings hurt because I know what happens. But here's the deal. We put way, way too much energy into this whole thing of getting our feelings hurt. In fact, more friendships have been dissolved over hurt feelings than anything else. Like, she thought she was trying to think that she was thinking about, maybe thinking about trying to send her a text, but it didn't have the smiley emoji, not realizing that she wasn't thinking about it anyway, and her emoji keyboard broke. You know, or here, here's another one. I don't know why texting seems to separate close friends more than anything else, but he thought that he ghosted him on, uh, on text because he thinks he's a jerk, and so, well, he must think I'm a jerk. So, but you didn't even realize that he got himself a new phone, and he was going the cheap route. He didn't get himself a smartphone. He got himself a dumb phone, didn't know how to text with it, and so that's just it, you know? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, though. Now, I know there are sometimes legitimate, real major failures that cause friction and fragmentation and friendships. But if a friendship is not built on love, it's, it's, it's going to have all kinds of problems. But if a friendship is built on love, you don't have to ax it just because there's a, a little hang-up, all right? Even big hang-ups. Remember this. The adversary is hell. Hell is going to do everything possible to drive in the wedge. Understand that when the friction and the pain and the conflict comes, it's hell at work. So address the real source here. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Love is basically a covenant. It's not a contract. I want to talk about love here for just a few minutes. Um, I'm not talking about romantic love, but I'm talking about, about this, this deeper level of love. See, true friendships 
they're not contracts. They're, they're, they're actually covenants. And there's a big difference between contracts and covenants. And, and that's, that's so much in the scripture about that because a contract is conditional, which means this. You do this, I'll do this. If you fail to do this or you fail to do that, then the deal is off, right? That's a contract. We all sign contracts, every one of us. We, we have different levels of contracts that we do in the business world. You're doing them all the time, you know. But what does a contract do? A contract basically keeps everything in order, puts it all written down so that nobody takes advantage of each other, right? Yeah, that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with contracts. Uh, a contract is, but it's really all about having these clearly expressed rules of engagement. Break one of the rules of engagement and the contract may, might be off. Okay? In other words, you don't pay your car payment, they can come take your car. But a covenant is different. That's why the car dealerships don't do covenants. <laughs> Because it's not conditional. See, contracts can be broken, but covenants can't. Now, a, a covenant can be violated. Scripture talks all about covenant being violated, but covenant can't be broken. And, you know, love is a covenant. It's best seen in God's relationship with us. God relates to us through covenant, which means this, is that we even violate our covenant with God through sin, we do. We, every one of you have violated, if you have a relationship with God, you violated that covenant through sin yeah. because we all sin. But God doesn't toss you out in the garbage because of that. <laughs> Why? It's because the love relationship with God is not a contract, it is a covenant. In fact, covenant is God's ultimate design for marriage. Scripture tells us that God even gave us marriage so that we could get a glimpse of an idea of what covenant relationship looks like. Because a marriage, it's not a contract. In other words, we, Rebecca and I don't sit down and say, okay, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, and you gotta do this. If it's not done, you know, like right down there, okay, Tim will get the mail every day, and then I miss getting the mail, and she goes, that's it, I've had it with you. <laughs> you didn't get the mail, oh, this is off. <laughs> and she wouldn't do that, would you? Okay, God. <laughs> I was hoping on that one. It's a covenant. That's why when I do a, a marriage ceremony, I always do the same. It's for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, you know. But God's desire for us is to actually carry this concept of covenant into our Christian relationships. Basically, since God, follow me now, since God has covenanted with you and me, within the context of our faith, we are to covenant with each other. See, when, when, when Jesus was confronted with uh, a, a demand to tell him, what is, take, tell us, what is the greatest commandment of all? What's the biggest thing out there that we need to, we need to follow? Well, Jesus, without, thing, I mean, he just immediately dropped right into it. He goes, oh, well, I'll tell you what that is. And he gave two answers. He didn't give one answer. They said, well, I just want the one greatest commandment. Said, well, there is not, there, there are two. They, they work hand in hand. Basically, what Jesus said is, you've got to love God passionately. You've got to love other people the same way you love yourself. That's actually it right there. What Jesus was describing there is covenant relationships, which is Christianity. In fact, here, get this. So many times we get hung up on, oh, God, I've got to do this. I've got to do this to please God. I've got to do this. Jesus so simplified it, and I wanted to get it, I don't want us to get it simple in our minds as well. He said, if you just focus on passionately loving God and treating other people the way that you, you want to be treated and love other people through this kind of relationship, that's, that's the foundation of everything that's in the Bible. Just, just focus on doing that. You know? 
So covenant love, it's really, it's really the essence of Christianity. It's the essence of our faith. But it doesn't mean that all of your relationships are going to be like super strong and intense all, all the time because over time, I mean, there's this ebb and flow. The weight of various relationships change, but the covenant of love should remain when it's believers involved. In other words, you're not going to throw them out with the trash even though the relationship is not as intense as it was. Covenant love, Christian love, that's another way of putting it, it desires what is good for the other person and what's best for them, and you're not looking about what, you're really not looking at what you're gonna get out of the deal. That's a contract, you see? In fact, within the church family, when we truly operate in covenant love, it actually even opens the door for the supernatural work of God. That's, that's real. So I'm, I'm not in a love contract with you guys. This is a covenant. So Paul then explains to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 what this looks like. And this is where I had you turn earlier, and I want you to get this ready now, because we, we often call this the love chapter of the Bible, but it's really about covenant relationships at work. In fact, it's even written in the whole context. If you read the chapter before and the chapter after, you'll see that it's really written in the whole context of spiritual gifts. It's because people want to, they're like, oh, we want to have spiritual gifts. It's just like, you know what? <laughs> you guys are focusing on the wrong things. Now, there's nothing wrong with spiritual, the supernatural spiritual gifts at all, okay? But it's like, you, you've got to focus on love first. And you, you get this down, then watch out. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to open the windows of heaven. Okay, take a look at it. Here we are. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. He's writing to this church. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, spiritual gift, you know, speaking in tongues, gift of the Spirit right there. So this gift of the Spirit is operating, you're speaking in tongues, and it's like, you know what? If you don't have love and you're trying to do that stuff, you're just, what he's saying is you're annoying. It's just, It's empty. There's nothing there. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and knowledge, if I can have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Okay, you seen how serious this is? Yes. You don't gauge a person's spirituality by how they act with the supernatural. Although I embrace the supernatural 100%. Catching me? Yes. No, you actually base it upon this, this whole thing of covenant relationship, love, and then when you do this, man, incredible things can happen. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now he tells what love is. Take a look at this. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. This is how we treat each other. Come on, you're following with me. This is how we relate to one another. This is friendship. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. That means when something bad happens to you, you're like, going, yay, I'm so, yeah, you deserved that. It's like, no. <laughs> See, love didn't do that. I, I like this, this verse seven, though. It's good because it says, it always protects. These are the always ones. I love always scriptures. <laughs> it always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. See, Christianity is actually expressed by the way we love each other based upon how God loves us. Now, if you take a look at verse 7, you have those always scriptures which tell us this. And I want you to follow with me. Friends protect each other. Why? It's because God protects you. 
God's spirit, if you're a believer, God's spirit is in you. Therefore, God's spirit in you helps you to protect your friends. That's how it works. Friends trust each other. Well, you see, it's because God trusts you. And God's spirit in you causes you to be able to trust your friends. Trying to make this happen and force it on your own gets pretty tough. But when you let God do it through you, wow, it's actually a whole lot easier. This is how this works. Friends hope for the best in each other. God hopes for the best in you. God's spirit is in you, and it causes you to be able to hope for the best in your friends. Friends persevere with each other. You're going to stick with each other through thick and thin, you know? That's because God perseveres with you, and his spirit is in you, which then enables you to be able to persevere with your friends. See, God is in us. So we express his covenant love toward others. That's how to help a friend. As I was preparing for this message, I really wanted to know what the original, the, the Hebrew word was for friend, because Solomon uses it all the time. I found it throughout the, the Old Testament. And man, like, what really, what's that definition of friend? Because things kind of lose their translation when it comes over to English. And uh, Hebrew is just one of the, I think it's the most powerful language ever. Uh, and what I found was really interesting. Now, I'll tell you, at first glance, as I started the study, I looked up the exact word, and, and so I looked it up in Hebrew, and, and friend means friend. <laughs> it means friend, companion, or neighbor. It's like, oh, yeah, well, there's nothing too deep there. Like, yeah, I, I get that. That would make sense. But then in my study, I, I have to always go a step deeper because you want to know where that word came from. You want to know its root. You want to know its origin. What, where did that word come from? So that noun that's used as friend, like Solomon used just a few minutes ago in that scripture, that noun actually has a root, which is a verb. All of a sudden, I started getting excited because I thought, oh, wait, we have a noun, which really its, or, its origin comes from a verb. And what does that verb mean? Okay. This is, the, this is the wealth. This is the richness of this. The verb means a friend is one who pastors, who teaches, who shepherds, and who leads another person. Two friends together do that together. So in other words, that's the action of friendship. So, so in other words, the action of friendship is not just hanging out hanging out or going to the movies with each other. Although, that's good. That's fine. You, you should hang out with friends, all right? But it's not, the action of friendship is not shopping together. It's not going hunting together. And it's not going golfing together. It's not even watching the Super Bowl next week or sharing some good meals tonight at the partner's banquet. No. Friendship, this is, when you look at the Bible, it is deep. It means you're, you're actually pastoring each other. You're teaching. You're shepherding each other. It means you're tending to each other. The, a friend, therefore, in a biblical sense, means, means this. It's a person who takes you, who leads you to a place of abundance, that leads you to a place of peace, that leads you to a place of provision, and to a place of care. And it's not one-sided because you're both doing it. And it's not even 50-50. It's 100-100. <laughs> It's mutual. I mean, can you, now, now think about this. Can you imagine a church full of people that actually does that with each other? Yes. Whoa. And then when you think about it, what friends do for each other, it actually sounds like what God does for us. Yes. <laughs> right? And it should be the deep desire. As a Christian, this should be the deep desire for friends toward one another. But the truth is, I mean, there is so much pain in our world. There's a lot. And... Um, there's so much pain 
that to say, well, I don't want friends, I think is one of the most foolish things you could do. But, but, but on the other hand, I don't think it's wise just sitting, well, I'm going to wait for some friend to come up to me. We'll see if someone's going to uh, practice what Pastor Tim taught, and we'll see. You know, okay, just stop. That's weird. Okay, don't. Don't do that. You need to pursue a relationship. That's why, again, around here, we like everybody to be plugged into ministry at some level. Now, dude, you're going to say, well, I'm not good enough. Man, I always you know, say this, like, if, if you can smile, just look at me. Smile, smile, smile. Say, okay, good, look, you're great. Okay, you, you guys are all now greeters. It's that easy around here. But see, that's a good way just to get to know some people. Start building some relationship, doing something together. Uh, that's why we volunteer. That's why we're going to be out here serving on Saturdays. But the truth is, I really want the relationships in this room to be strong with each other and with God and with the people that come in here because the truth is hurting people walk into this room every single week and hurting people are here right now. There are people here right now who are hurting, who are in relationship pain. There are rejected people walk in here every single week, lonely people, offended people, suicidal people, isolated people, people in doubt, people with no vision, people with no identity. And here's the deal. A covenant friendship, a covenant relational friendship can nix so much of that right there. Well, how does that work? It's because God works through us. See, I, I, I really think that Christians should be the best at friendship. Although I know none of us do it perfect because you're not God and you know it and I know it too. But we work toward it. Take a, take a look at what some of the other things that Solomon said about friendship. Just real quick here. He says, Solomon says this, one who is unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, like unreliable friends are not the ones who are going to take you to a place of abundance, peace, provision, and care. Because that's what it actually means. So you're not going to pour yourself into relationships where that's not there. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to cut them off, but you don't have to, like, pour all yourself into it. That's part of the reason why I believe it's wisdom says you should carefully choose. You should wisely choose your friends. You should choose also to forgive frequently. And you should ask God how to handle, how you should handle the heart of your relationships. Solomon also says this, he says, iron sharpens iron, so a person or a friend sharpens another. In other words, you should pray for your friends. Pray with your friends. War together. Fight for each other. Challenge each other. Sharpen each other. That's That's how to help a friend. Solomon says this, he says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. And so this is actually a parallelism here. It's kind of a Hebrew way of, of communicating something, which they have two statements and the two actually mean the same thing, except they're stated very different. So in other words, what he's saying is here is a gossip is a perverse person. <laughs> have you ever thought of that before? Ah, that's the truth. A gossip is actually a perverse person. So don't, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Now you see what it really is. It's pretty gross. And when gossip is happening, he also says there's going to be conflict and walls are going to go up between friends. So you can see how does hell work? How does hell destroy through gossip? Right there. That's, that's one of the methods that you just, we just have to expose. That's why I'm exposing it right now. Just throwing it out there. So, you know, we've all seen how gossip hurts. And, and it does hurt. In fact, a gossip will tend to bounce from friendship to friendship to friendship, stirring up trouble everywhere. So here's the deal. Examine the quality of your character. <laughs> And examine the character of, of the person you're going to call friend. Because true friends don't gossip about one another. True friends defend one another. 
The question to ask yourself is, do you defend your friends in public and in private? Because Christ defends you. And he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Remember the definition of friend? What is it ultimately? Shepherd. It's really what it is. It's a pastor. It's a shepherd. It's like, well, that's you, Tim. No, actually, it's all of y'all now. But the good shepherd, the great shepherd, is Jesus. That's why the scriptures call him that. Now I understand. He's the best example for friendship. What does Jesus do? He pastors, he teaches, he leads, he tends. (laughs) So do to others as Jesus does to you. This is, I guess, best enunciated in uh, Paul's letter to to the Ephesian church. It's, It's an ancient Greek city. Ephesus is, is, is the name of the city. Ephesus actually became later on the headquarters of Christianity for the world. Uh, that was in the later part of the first century. Um, and that, that city just was a huge, bustling city. Of, I mean, that's the heart of Christianity there in Greece. And, and I wonder if part of the reason why they became so good at this why the church grew and expanded so much that it became the center of Christianity worldwide it's because they practiced and they put into practice what Paul told them to do years earlier. Take a look at what Paul said, and this is from the message version of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He said, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly, what God lo- does is love you. <laughs> Keep company with him, and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. Because <laughs> his love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. And then he gives these three words, love like that. Like, well, wait, then I'll give it all away. No, actually, you're being poured right back into because friendship works that way. That's the formula that God wants for the church. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for Jesus. He is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will lead your heart and guide your heart regarding how to handle your friends. And the Spirit of God is going to teach you on how to help friends. All you've got to do is just keep obeying God and looking to Him and using His example. And Jesus, I'm telling you guys this, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Jesus will stick closer to you than any brother, and his bond is everlasting. His love will not quit. The bond of his friendship always comes first before we can even learn how to be covenant friends with others. That's why we always say, pursue that first. And then his spirit comes into you, and you can begin living it out. We can never live it in perfection because we're not God, but we sure do love doing it more of God we have in us, the more natural it becomes. You, my friend, you can be a friend of God. You can. You can. James chapter 2, verse 23 talks about the father of our faith. His name is Abraham. Whether you're the, the, the Jewish people say he's the father of the, of the Jews, and that's, that's, that's true, but the but, uh, Bible also tells us that when we give our lives to Christ, we're grafted into the olive tree. We're grafted into Abraham, the line of Abraham. So he is granddaddy Abraham to all of us. Look at this. It says in James 2.23, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. 
first person in the Bible to be called the friend of God is great-great-grandpa Abe. And this functions best within the family of God, within the local church. And I, I'm just telling you guys today, even through preparing this and delivering this message to you guys, I'm committed to walking in covenant relationships. I want my relationships to go to a new level. And it all starts with Jesus. I'd like for there to be no movement in this time. Could you just close your eyes and focus internally for just a second? Because first of all, you might be here and you've not given your life to Jesus. You're not a friend of Jesus. Possibly you've drifted from your relationship with God. And if you want to know the Jesus that I'm talking about, you're ready for that friendship to begin, for his spirit to come into you and for your sin to be dissolved and gone as if it was never there. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to respond. It's very, very simple. Just a second. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand when I count to three. That way I can see your hand. I can connect my faith with yours. and We can believe for a miracle together. Knowing this is that God loves you. Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. And he gave his life for you because he wants to be with you forever. He wants to be your friend. And it's time for you to live. If you want to be included in this closing prayer, Surrender your life to Jesus. When I count to three, will you lift your hand so that I can see it? And we're going to pray together. One, two, three. Say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. Thanks. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. You put your hands down. Who else? That's me, Pastor. I, I need Jesus today. Today's my day of cleansing and renewal. I'm so, I'm just so encouraged by those of you who lifted your hand. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you, along with this entire group of believers right here in this room, I want you to pray these words with me. Come on. Pray it out. But church, I want you to pray these as well as an encouragement to those who are around you. And even as kind of like a reaffirmation of your own faith. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the son of God. Please forgive my sins. I want to be a friend of God. It's time for me to live. So I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Take a look at me. If you prayed that prayer with me, I have two things I want you to do. One is to complete a next card with the decision you made on it and take it out to next in the foyer. That way I can connect with you on some next steps. But the second thing is, is just to commit to being in church for the next six months and watch what happens in your life. There, I tell you, here, there's been story after story after story of people who have seen their lives just transformed after just making the commitment, praying and making the commitment. I'm going to be in church. I don't care what comes up. I'm going to be here in church because God has plans for your life. But before we go, I, I want us to pray because I know that some of you, you need relational healing. Some of you need prayer for just faith, for healthy friendships and, and a desire to move forward into covenant relationships, and I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray. Will you guys stand all across this room, and I want you to receive this prayer. Come on, receive this prayer in Jesus' name. Just close your eyes, block yourself in with the Lord. Receive this prayer. God, I just pray right now for those who are in horrible relationship pain. Uh, oh God, whether it's marriages or, or business problems or, or, or brothers and sisters or friends. God, God I, I, siblings or, 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 or parents and children. God, I pray, Lord, for you to bring relational healing. And, and, and hey, just ask God to heal your heart right now. Come on. Just ask your God to heal your heart. 
because it always starts with us. So God, heal my heart, God. Help my heart to be different. Help my heart to be changed. I'm gonna pray for them as well, God. I'm not gonna try to force them. I'm not gonna try to manipulate them because God, you can do a whole lot better than I can. We thank you, God, that you can heal relationships in Jesus' name. God, I also pray that healthy friendships will spring up in our lives. Come on, just pray, God. God, give me healthy friends. God, give me the kind of friends that pastor's preaching about today. God, I, I want that. God, I'm gonna pursue that. I'm gonna look for that. I'm gonna get out, God. God, I pray that, 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 that this will be known as a place where the friendships are robust and they're, they're alive, full of the life of God. God, give us a willingness to enter into covenant relationships. Help us to love others, to shepherd, to nurture, to pastor, to, to care for one another just as you do with us, God. God, I pray that covenant relationships will be strong in this house. And Lord, I, I pray that as we do so, the supernatural will open up in our lives. God, that even in our gatherings, in our personal lives, God, God, we're going to see more and more miracles. We're going to see more and more of the work of God. God, through healings and prophetic uh, things happening in our lives, God, just, just incredible signs and wonders can happen in this place and in our lives because we're operating in fundamental Christianity around here. God, let it be. Let it be with covenant relationships. In Jesus' name. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.